0: Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery podcast. This is Dr. Jay Calvert and I am on via Zoom with Dr. Millicent Ravello parachuting in from Los Angeles for this very special post-op instructions podcast.
1: Yes, good evening, happy Sunday. How are you?
0: I'm uh, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty relaxed. I had a pretty good pretty good weekend actually. I uh, got a little golf in with my son. Uh, he's really learning, doing great, and uh, you know, just getting getting a couple things ready for the week.
1: That's how weekends should be. Usually, we're running around like crazy people, but I had a pretty relaxing weekend, too. So we are finally catching up to do the podcast because our actual week was too crazy to get together. So here we are. I
0: know, last week was one big operation for me. <laughs>
1: yeah, seriously. Like, me too. I'm like, I don't think I like... I saw myself coming and going in the operating room. So. <laughs>
0: it's it's good to be busy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain. That's for sure.
1: So here we are.
0: So today, what we want to do, we've done some very successful post-op instruction podcasts, which have not only been useful for our patients, but for patients around the globe. As I've heard from um, patients who have uh, DM'd us on our Instagram and emailed me and said, Hey, I really appreciate that post-op Instructions on rhinoplasty, and the post-op instructions on breast augmentation, the drop in fluff episode—those things are really helpful, and they uh, they they give me a lot of comfort when I need to know what's going on and I can't necessarily get a hold of my doctor.
1: And that's what it's about. It's about giving you a level of control over your post-op situation, some comfort and knowledge, because ultimately that's going to make everything so much better. Because Probably one of the worst things in the post-operative periods is patient anxiety. That can be debilitating for the patient, for the doctor, for anyone who has to take care of them. And so one of the best ways to ease that anxiety is to have some knowledge and preparation on what to expect.
0: Totally. And I've had like multiple patients, moms, like especially like my teen rhinoplasty patients, Like the mom, the night before, you know, all the, you know, the pre-op visit, the, the initial consultation, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? And then the night before you get the text, I don't know what's going on. What am I going to do? And they're just like, literally like losing it. They're up on a ledge. And then I say, no problem. You're going to be fine. Your daughter's going to be fine listen to this podcast. And then they're like, Oh my God, that's so much better. I finally got, okay, good. I, everything's going to be cool. So it's very helpful.
1: Very helpful. So today we're doing the facelift post-op instructions.
0: Yes. And there are, uh, (laughs) it's, you know, facelift is a big waste basket term for any kind of facial rejuvenation. So these instructions really go for brow lifts, mid face lifts, you know, upper facial rejuvenation, the entire face and neck, the whole shebang, but anything that really involves aesthetic surgery of the face, there's a certain set of uh, kind of things you want to do after surgery to max out your results. And, you know, I think the first thing that patients should know right, right out of the gates is that there's going to be bruising, there's going to be swelling, and they shouldn't plan to have their new photographs taken with their brand new face for usually five to six weeks, if not longer.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. The swelling is legit, um, especially depending on what type of procedure you've had done. Um, anything that goes deeper down to the bone level is going to make you swell like stink. So swelling can be very, very real. Bruising can be very real as well. And in general, you will probably want to stay hidden a bit from the world i would say for like the first week 5 to 7 days you know after 7 days you can certainly go out and look moderately presentable but yeah in terms of you know family photographs holiday photographs you know big trips new headshot <laughs> 6 weeks for sure
0: yeah i think 6 weeks is is a good time period i usually tell people they'll be restaurant ready in three weeks, which kind of comes home for them, like, oh, okay, so I can sit across the table from someone in three weeks. Yeah. And and that's not getting a photograph. That means that you can put on enough makeup, you can look presentable, and it's not going to be a disaster. But if you try to do that a week or two weeks after a facelift of any kind, I think you're going to be disappointed.
1: Oh, people will know something have, has happened. But the thing with facelifts, um, just a pure facelift, upper, lower, extended, whatever, um, from a pain standpoint, you know, patients usually do pretty well. Um, the first couple of days, there was some discomfort, some pain, but usually it's more just a feeling of discomfort because they're swollen as opposed to actual pain. And that's why usually at a week, they feel like they can go and do stuff. They can maybe go to the grocery store. They could, you know, go to the school, you know, pick up their kids or whatever, um, do some work from home or in an office setting because they feel okay. Um, they may still look a little rough, but, but usually they feel pretty good by a leak.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And, uh, they, the pain is not extravagant with these operations, you know, it's, it's It's discomfort.
1: Yeah, it is because of the swelling. And so I think, um, Taking patients through what they can expect, you know, in a chronological order, days one through thirty or whatever, might be a good way to to do this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the first, you know, day or two, obviously, we're gonna send them to aftercare. Uh, I I want them with nurses, I want somebody watching for hematoma. That's the only time that you can really have sort of these big issues that can cause problems with healing. And so we send patients to aftercare for a night or two with nurses. I prefer two. Um, some people, you know, say, "Oh, you know, is there any way can, I can do it for one?" Yeah, you can, but I, I really think two nights at Aftercare. I had one couple that I did their facelifts together. They stayed for ten days. They moved mm-hmm. in. They just—they are like, "We love it here. We're having smoothies. They're taking us to hyperbaric <laughs> oxygen. We got a maid here. We're not going anywhere." Um, but that's also a funds issue because it is expensive.
1: It's expensive, but I am a thousand percent with you. Um, I usually say one night, I mean, two, if they want, but one night for sure. And for me, that is non-negotiable. And I do have patients that, Oh, do I really have to stay? Or, you know, my sister's a nurse. No, I'm not doing your surgery. If you're not staying at least one night in an aftercare and for anyone who may not be familiar with an aftercare an aftercare is basically, a nursing facility. That's quite fancy. So a lot of times, especially here in Beverly Hills and LA, they are actually in a fancy hotel with part of a floor or a unit that's been converted to kind of a nursing center. And there are a few standalone centers as well, but usually they're in hotel buildings. And so you're in a hotel room in a fancy bed, a fancy medical bed, basically. And you have at least one nurse who's with you 24 hours around the clock, monitoring you, keeping you comfortable. And for me, it's just like you said, with facelifts, I want them there to make sure that there's no post-op bleeding because a post-op bleed after a facelift can be catastrophic in the sense that it's an emergency. And I need a nurse there to be able to call and relay that to me. Very unusual, but I'm not taking chances with that patient being at home and having a bleed in the neck. Um, so yes, one night in the aftercare, two nights if they can afford it because um, it's not cheap. But that is my go to as well. And then after one or two days, they can go home if they have a drain in. That's usually when the drain comes out day one or day two. And after that first day, I'll go see them in the aftercare and I'll change their bandages and their dressings to a kind of easy post-op facelift garment that they wear for the next week or so. And it's much more simpler than the big giant bandages they come out of surgery with. And I tell them to wear them as much as they can around the clock for the first week, but certainly at night for that first week. And that just helps with the swelling as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, swelling is the big issue because you want them to heal fast as fast yeah. as they can, but without you know pushing it. And that's where you know I think if you take it easy, You sleep at 45 degrees on, you know, three or four pillows, you know, what we call semi-fowler position that helps get the swelling out of the face and neck. Um, Ice is helpful. Um, You don't have to go crazy with it, but, you know, ice is helpful for the first 24 to 48 hours. After that, I think it's really just for comfort. I don't think you're, you know, gaining a whole lot after 24 to 48 hours. I do not give a Medrol dose pack steroids with every facelift. I just don't. Some people do. Um, I think that the swelling will come down naturally and I just don't, don't love to give steroids unless there's a really solid reason to do so.
1: Yeah. Steroids. I'm um, on a case by case basis as well. You know, all of our patients get a dose of steroids intraoperatively Correct. during their surgery. That's sort of a standard. And then I just wait and see You know, how they're healing because again, the main thing with the swelling You do want it to come down ideally on its own, but you don't want it to be prolonged because that could have adverse effects on the results if the swelling persists. But in general, most people can come down on their own without a whole lot of extra, you know, pharmacology involved. That being said, I am a big fan of hyperbarics after face procedures because I do think it helps with the swelling and certainly it helps with the blood supply to the skin that's left behind.
0: Dr. Ravello, could you define hyperbaric oxygen for the listener, for Mary in Wisconsin, who doesn't know what that is?
1: (laughs) Yes. So hyperbarics, generally when we are breathing room air, we're breathing 21% oxygen. That's the percentage of oxygen in room air. Hyperbaric oxygen is a chamber that has 100% oxygen that you're breathing in. The idea being that you breathe in more oxygen, it improves the blood supply and the oxygen content in your blood. And in your body and in these tissues that are healing and healing tissues love oxygen they love blood supply and they heal much faster when they have that extra boost and so hyperbarics has been used for decades for many many medical reasons for healing complicated wounds for people that have had bad burns of a certain kind um, but we use it in the plastic surgery world because we just get better results and we have better outcomes with certain surgeries for patients that are sent to hyperbarics. And again, we live and work in Beverly Hills. We're very fortunate to have a ton of hyperbaric options available right across the street. You know, anywhere you want to go, you can get access to hyperbarics.
0: Yeah. Hyperbaric oxygen a uh, uh, sort of a no brainer for me. And I think uh, we don't force it on our patients, but I tell them about it. I th- say, you think you should do five dives. And that's really what it is. What hyperbaric oxygen is used for in a life-saving manner is for people that have the bends where they've come up from diving too quickly, or they've uh, been working in a case on to build a bridge, for instance, under a river and they come up too fast. And all of a sudden they get the bends, which is life-threatening. They are put into a uh, hyperbaric oxygen chamber that helps them to uh, recompress basically before they slowly decompress And it, and it is a life-saving chamber. What turns out is that the hyperbaric oxygen heals diabetic wounds. It heals radiation injury for cancer treatments, but it also happens to make the swelling from plastic surgery wounds heal a lot faster and actually gets the swelling out a lot faster. So I love hyperbaric oxygen. I think five treatments in the first two weeks is sort of the kind of the goal. Um, Some people do it every day after they they've had surgery. Some people do it, you know, three times and they see a big difference and they're done. So it's pretty variable, but my, my rule of thumb is five uh, treatments in the first two weeks.
1: Yep, I think it's great. And um, if patients are aware of it upfront, again, it's an extra cost, kind of like the aftercare that they have to budget into that, um, you know, facelift budget. But yeah, they can go as early as day one. I like them to go every day for at least five days. Um, and then that's it. Then they can kind of see how they like it. And it's, it's easy. You know, you go, you sit in this chamber, or you lie down in the chamber and they play Netflix for you and you just watch a show for an hour and then you come back up and you're on your way.
0: Yep. You know, catching up on your Netflix, not a bad idea <laughs> not for the hyperbaric bad. chamber.
1: <laughs> for most of us that are running around like crazy, it's actually great. and come to go sit in this chamber and breathe some oxygen and catch up on my shows.
0: <laughs> not a problem. Uh, the other thing that you need to do is get your sutures out, which usually happens at a week. Um, mm-hmm. So I take out the Uh, sutures around the ears uh, at a week. I take out the ones behind the ears at about 10 days to two weeks. Um, Just depends on how they're healing. I really assess every patient pretty specifically. And there's a lot of follow-up. So there's a lot of visits back to the plastic surgeon. It's not like you get the facelift and, you know, Hey, good luck. I'll see you, you know, in five months for your post-op photos, but you know, we want to see them frequently so that we can make sure everything's cool. No.
1: And that, I mean, that goes, I think without saying for any surgery you have for the most part, but certainly for facelifts agreed, I do the same thing. Get the, get the sutures out seven to 10 days. Um, after about 10 days, I kind of let them, you know, ease off of their nighttime sleeping garments and their compression wraps and all that stuff and just do and be, but really it's a matter of just taking it easy, you know, weeks two, two and three post-op, you know, you're feeling pretty good the swelling is coming down, everything's starting to fall into place and look really good. And this is where you still have to take it really easy. I'm not letting them work out yet. You know, they may feel like they can, but again, we've got to get that swelling down. Those tissues have to heal. Um, and if they don't heal quickly, you can be left with scar tissue, which can be problematic in the future. So really weeks two and three is really about them just taking it super easy.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the big part of getting back to working out is you're going to make swelling by getting your blood pressure up. Yeah. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to force, you know, patients to blow up their, their wounds again. So I tell them just ease back into it. Usually starting at three weeks, I'll tell them to do, maybe you could do some curls. Maybe you could go for a nice mile long walk. And then basically after four to five to six weeks, I let them to really start to get back into it and tell them, you know, okay, but go, as you see fit, don't, you know, try to, you know, bench press 275 pounds this week, you know, Mrs. Adams, you need to, you know, get yourself in there and, and ease yourself back into the workout so that you don't hurt your, your healing.
1: Right. Right. And then the other thing that uh, we can touch on briefly, um, cause a lot of times patients will do facelifts in combination with laser skin therapy. So yes, you can have your laser depending on what kind of laser it is actually at the time of surgery, or you can actually have it done before surgery, or you can do it, you know, a couple of days to weeks after surgery, depending on how aggressive you want to get. And a lot of patients like to combine that laser surgery with their faceless because it's one healing period. It's one downtime and you're not walking around, you know, red faced and peeling because you're already sort of sequestering yourself with your post-op facelift. So combining it with your post-op facelift healing period is also a good time to work on your lasers.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's pretty common. I—I I find that I am a little bit gun shy when it comes to lasering the skin that I've just lifted. I know. I, I don't love it because I think I'm going to cause a problem. So I tend to turn it down a little bit, which is fine. It's they still get a good treatment, um, but if you really want a great laser treatment, I find it's best to do one maybe a month to six weeks before, or just do the facelift and then treat the skin six weeks after and go, go hog wild on that point. Then you can really turn it up and give it the juice that the skin, especially on the Southern Californians typically needs.
1: Yeah. And it depends too on what procedure you're having. Um, I know when I had my, my mid face, we weren't moving around a whole lot of skin necessarily. There weren't a lot of blood supply to the flaps that we were worried about. So Orla went hog wild crazy on me <laughs> at the time she of did. the surgery.
0: <laughs> and you looked like pumpkin head.
1: <laughs> I was so swollen. <laughs> that was... But it was great. Cause again, it was, it was my down period. It's my downtime. So I could afford to be a little pumpkin head and red. Um, but it's that true. was because we weren't doing a full on facelift where we we're cutting away a lot of skin per se.
0: Right. We were moving the entire cheek and mid face. And the lateral cheek and forehead as a composite flap where we're down right. on the bones and moving everything, which, again, is another, you know, that's another discussion that uh, we've had a few times. If you uh, listener, if you want to go back to the uh, previous podcast on Dr. Velo's mid-facelift and then also our facelift techniques podcast, very helpful in understanding the differences and how we move tissue around to create the, the look of youth. And people have kind of been around a little bit, which is totally cool. We're, we're all good with that.
1: Yep. Agreed. And then the other thing people ask about is when can I resume my regular, you know, skincare routine with my Retin-A and my, you know, my vitamin C and all that good stuff. And I usually say once the sutures are out, once the skin flaps are healed, give it about, you know, seven to 10 days. And once that skin looks like it's hardy enough to, to take on the Retin-A or whatever more aggressive treatments you might have, then go for it. But otherwise in that initial week, just face wash and moisturizer is really all I recommend. The most fun part that I find patients enjoy in that initial post-op period, after their drain is out, I tell them to wait 24 to 48 hours before washing their hair. And then that is usually the best hair wash they've ever had because there's (laughs) all that, you know, betadine from the prep and the dried blood from the surgery. It's mixed in their hair and it's crunchy and it's gross and they can't wait to wash the hair. actually, there's a few places in town that will do like post facelift hair wash, like that first shampooing, because they're so familiar with like the sutures and the staples. And they know where all of that is, and so they you can you know book your post facelift shampoo and blowout, and that's usually very very
0: satisfying. Yeah, I'm sort of a I I, I let them wash their hair the next day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh really? I make it wait till the drains out. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, once the drains are out, of yeah. course. But yeah, I, yeah. I typically pull them that day, and then when they send them back to the aftercare for their second night, because like you saying, I I insist on one. I kind of insist on two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell the the nurses to give them a good hair wash because at that point, you know that you want to get all that stuff. Even though I wash the hair in surgery, yeah, you know we do. It, it still doesn't get it all out because no. it's still oozing a little bit when you get to the after. Like it's still definitely like you had surgery cause you did. And that that's the issue is that you want to keep that stuff clean. And, and I think, you know, patients can look pretty reasonable at seven to 10 days after surgery, but they still don't look right. Um, there's oftentimes, um, just a lot of swelling that, that kind of distorts their look until really the second or third week. And you kind of got to be aware of that.
1: Agreed. But I would say in general, recovery from a facelift is pretty easy on the spectrum of post-op recoveries of surgeries that we do. Um, and there's not a whole lot for the patients to really do in terms of caring for wounds or for anything really, Um, other than wearing their compression wraps and washing their hair as directed. There's not a whole lot for them to do. It's really the hardest part is really just the taking it easy part for most people.
0: Yeah, that's hard for a lot of our patients because we get a lot of type A's in there. Yeah. That really wanna like, oh, you know, I've got time off. I'm gonna rearrange the furniture. I'm mm-hmm. gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna, you know, close some deals for our big business guys. Our lawyers are always trying to like settle a case or something. I'm like, no, you cannot <laughs> work while you're A on drugs from surgery and B, just because you're laying around, this is not your like post stop, you know, time to, to make those big decisions. You should take it easy.
1: This is your Netflix and chill time. Because that's really all you can do. Even reading is hard. Even reading a book or reading your computer is hard because they're swollen. You have this periorbital swelling. It's just your eyes sometimes feel a little funky. So just this is the time to just sit back and get caught up on your shows.
0: When do you think the patients really start to look awesome? When do they say, man, I'm really happy I did this?
1: Around week five, week four or five.
0: Yeah. I think five, five, yeah. In that area, five to six, four or five, six weeks after I know at three to six months, they're thinking this was awesome, but it takes a while.
1: Yeah. I don't know anyone that's ever regretted their facelift. I mean, even a bad facelift is a tremendous improvement for most people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You can have a bad facelift. Let me, We don't want people looking scary or freaky, you know, with their eyebrows, you know, pulled or looking wide awake, but for the patient that's really coming in, looking to address their lower neck, their jowls, that improvement is so huge and such a big change that they are usually over the moon about it.
0: Please refer to our facelift techniques podcast. Yes. Because we talk about why that happens in other cases and why it doesn't happen in this General region of Beverly Hills. Yes. (laughs) Um, What else do we need to tell our listeners about their post-op facelift instructions? Take your medications, follow directions. It's all written out in our post-op instructions. Ask questions when necessary.
1: Plan Um, for your recovery before surgery.
0: Yes. Be ready to when you come home. Have your have your act together for where you're going to be in the house and what you're going to do, and make sure the food's all there. Think it through. That's really important.
1: That's really important. And then, yeah, just follow instructions and be prepared to spend that extra out of pocket money on your aftercare and your hyperbarics.
0: Yep. It's not cheap to get a facelift, not to get a good one. You can get a cheap one. That's for sure. Remember those lifestyle lifts everybody was doing?
1: I don't even know what that is. (laughs) Patients will ask about these (laughs) random things. Oh, do you do this, you know, face time or face lunch or lunchtime facelift. I don't even know. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. What do you mean? I don't know what that is. It's all for Instagram. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know. That's not all right. a thing.
0: Now I'm going to give you the <laughs> zinger. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. What do you think about the threads?
1: Oh, the threads, you know, it's like fashion. Everything comes back around again, eventually and threads are having a moment. A moment. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't do threads. I know a few, Practitioners that do them and get um, varying results. They have some patients which are mostly satisfied with them, they have some which don't really see any results. Um, I have a PA who had threads done to her, um, and she was like, Yeah, I really couldn't tell a difference. Um, she said, You know, I didn't really pay for it because of, you know, my practitioner provided it for me at cost. If I had paid $3,000, I'd be kind of upset that this was the result I got. So it's one of those things where if you are okay shelling out a couple thousand dollars and getting a eh, or a no non-result. results, <laughs> then sure try it, go for it. It's certainly not going to take the place of a facelift if no. it has if it works for you. Maybe it'll you know keep you a year or two away from a facelift, but you're certainly not going to see facelift results, and uh, it's not a whole lot of bang for your buck. Is my yeah?
0: Opinion. I, I've seen threads go through lots of it. I you know. It, the first time I, I saw people doing threading like that, where they were putting through the face was probably around, it was at the beginning of my time in practice. It really wasn't around during my residency, you know, which again was before electricity. But the um, the threads that I've seen have, they've come a long way, but they, they just are a non-result. And I can tell you what they do. <laughs> they make the facelift a little bit like a mess because you're trying to get through there, you know, and there's all this, you know, these like wire things in there. I, I don't know. It's not, I'm not a fan. So don't get threads and have a facelift. Let's do that.
1: Well, I think that's going to be, you know, depending on where you practice and, and who your clientele is, I think that's going to be sort of the name of the game going forward with facelifts because there's so many energy devices and non-invasive techniques and threads that people do that most of our patients have been doing for the past five, six years before they get to their facelift. So I think that's part of the... Le- inherent in doing facelifts in this era is that we're going to see a lot of that scar tissue from these energy devices and other sure. non-invasive techniques.
0: No, that's sure. true. And I and I have run into a lot of that. And it's it, it, it has made things a little more difficult. But well, that's our problem. Not the listeners. Yeah, not you guys don't know to worry about that. We'll handle it. Well I think that's great, uh Dr. Ravello. I appreciate you jumping on here to to kind of cover this topic. I think we have some good stuff coming up in the next few podcasts. So uh I'll look forward to doing those in person with you, but thanks for taking your uh, Sunday afternoon to knock this out. And this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Rovello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Rovello, what's your website?
1: My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355.
0: And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the MediSpa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.